Good morning. Today, as is always the case on the first Sunday in November, we celebrate something called the Festival of All Saints, which in a name sounds contradictory. One of the things we'll do is we will read the names of those who have been called home to God's glory in this past year. That brings tears to many of our eyes. It doesn't feel much like a festival uh, when you just look at that aspect of it. But God's word looks at it as a great blessing. And it's consistent from the beginning to the end. So I offer you two readings this morning. The first from the prophecy of Isaiah and then later from the book of Revelation. And see what the Lord has always said about the saints of God who follow him. This first reading is from the 25th chapter of Isaiah. There we find these words. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And the second reading comes from the 21st chapter of Revelation, beginning at the first verse. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning of all saints, I offer you the same greeting that was offered long ago by a man named John. And it, uh, it is found at the beginning of the book of, that's of Revelation that I just read from. And here we find his words. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.
Earlier in my life, I worked a lot in the sciences. I was an engineer, and I worked with folks at Sandia, and, and I had scientists all around me much of my life early on. And, and scientists that I've known over those years, and every late day lovers of nature, and there are many of us that fall in that category, tell us all that we live in a world of what, what is now described as vanishing species. We're slowly learning that the beauty and balance of our planet depend on the wonderful variety of, of life that God has put on his created planet here. We've discovered that the vast number of species of birds, fish, animals, plants, even those insects, play their unique role in the health of our planet. They play a role not only in its beauty, but also in the tremendous variety that we see and, and delights our eyes. And if we measure it all, we understand that it comes together in a very delicate balance that only God could have designed. I confess that I've never been a scientist schooled in biology, far from it. And, and I'm only a modest student of nature. But I like to believe that God had a purpose for all of this great number of, of creatures in this world. And I more than like to believe these things. I dearly believe these things. And so I want to cooperate with our Lord in, in keeping things in balance and doing my part to keeping life as God intends it. And so I make an appeal today. I appeal for a species that has been in danger of extinction for quite some time now. But especially in our time, the pressures are growing even greater. And while I can't speak with authority about the importance of some obscure plant or insect in a corner of the world I've never seen, I know a little something about this particular species I want to talk to you about this morning. And I know a great deal about the quality or the importance of the quality of life that this species offers to every bit of life in this world. You might have guessed that I've been talking about the endangered species I call saints. Saints. Now, it probably would be more impressive if I gave you some sort of long Latin name to describe the saints. But that's really not needed. Because the saints are everyday folks. They are you. They are the people you love. They are the people you know. They are the people who have preceded us in this church and others. But these saints, they are increasingly in danger of becoming so few that the spiritual welfare of our planet is at stake now. How did the saints of God come to be in such a perilous time, you ask? Well, let's go back. Let's review a bit of history. First, understand that the Bible tells us that the bride of Christ, the bride of Christ is the gathering of the saints, the people of God. And another name for that gathering of the saints is simply the church. It is all of those people who believe in our creator God. The bride of Christ was created on the sixth day, according to Genesis, and it was initially made up of a congregation of two people, St. Adam and St. Eve. They were placed in the Garden of Eden, and it was paradise on earth. It was a place where sin and death did not yet exist. 
in the garden, Adam and Eve walked and they talked and they had a relationship, a personal relationship with God. They knew him in all of his glory. Adam and Eve saw God face to face. And so it was in this way that the bride, the church, was created. But as we all know, paradise didn't last very long. Satan made his way into the garden and tempted the bride. As the bride of Christ committed adultery with Satan, sin came into the world and death entered this creation, bless you, death entered this creation through sin. Adam and Eve had been unfaithful to their husband God. The sin in the Garden of Eden was to turn away from God's love and turn to another lover, another God, little g. Every sin that is committed since then, every single one of them, is the same sin. And that is unfaithfulness to God and God's intent for us. It is spiritual adultery that rejects the proper and holy relationship that God has established between he and and his people. In place of a proper relationship, sin embraces love for anything else but God. How did the Lord respond when, sin, when, uh, when paradise was lost? What did God do? Did he abandon his unfaithful people? Absolutely not. Instead, God goes to his people and he tells them the facts of life. And he tells them also the facts of death. Since sin has entered creation, the world would then be cursed and God's people will suffer death. But God didn't leave them hanging there with that. God immediately gave them hope. He promised that the Savior, the bridegroom, would come. Although there would be misery and death in the meantime, the wedding day for God's people was still on. It was available for the people of God. Now, sisters and brothers, that wedding day is still on for us, too. And the call of the people of God now, while on earth, is to prepare constantly and to wait faithfully for the coming of the bridegroom. As the saints of God, as the bride of Christ, you know, you know all too well, especially on a day like this, that this waiting is not easy. It's not easy because there's daily the temptation for us to sin again. Every sin is a declaration of our rejection of God and our rejection of his relationship with us. Every sin is an act of infidelity toward the bridegroom, the bridegroom who's already given himself up in death for you, for me, for all of us. This waiting is not easy because we must witness the ravages of sin's curse upon the world. We see the pain of suffering and death. This waiting isn't easy because we know that one day each of us will also suffer and we will die. There is sorrow, and especially the sorrow of grief at the death of our loved ones. And we will read their names in just a few minutes. In times like this, when we're suffering grief 
It may be hard to believe the bridegroom's promise that he is with us always, but his word is true and persistent, and he will see us through times when we cannot hear his assurance. These are the reasons, brothers and sisters, why we celebrate the festival of all saints. Today, we, in fact, will remember the saints who have gone before us. We'll remember all those believers who have died in the Lord. And we remember for three reasons as well. First, we remember the saints so that we might give thanks to God for the mercies that he showed to these people and for using them as his instruments for the good of others, for our good. Second, we remember the saints so that we might be strengthened in our own faith. We see how God has forgiven and preserved these who have led us. And we are strengthened with the assurance that God forgives and preserves us. He already has the saints. And finally, seeing the good these people did by the faith that God gave them and, and, and have become our example, we then seek to imitate all that they have done with the faith that God has these then are the reasons we celebrate the festival of all saints as we give thanks for the saints who have departed we do so with a living hope the bridegroom has indeed already redeemed his bride and the wedding day is still guaranteed we remember that God remains present with his people just as he has always done the Lord draws near to you though his glory may be hidden from your eyes. It's hidden in the forms of bread and wine that we share at the Lord's table this day, and his voice comes to you in the weakness of his human servants who do their best to speak or to sing his holy word. He comes to you with a purpose, to keep your hope alive. He comes to keep his promises given in the words of our lesson from Isaiah this morning where I remind you um, the prophecy was that the Lord will swallow up death forever. No, it will not continue. And the Lord will wipe those tears from all faces and the disgrace of his people he will take from the earth. And he does this because of the power of his word alone. The Lord has spoken and what he says is already true. On that day it will be said, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. Demonstrating faithfulness on God's part and ours. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And hence the festival. The festival, the great celebration of those who have died and God gone and been absorbed into God's heaven. This, brothers and sisters, is the gift of the bridegroom to his bride, the church. The gift that will come on our eventual wedding day. To the people of God, uh, to the, people of God the Lord cries out, See, the home of God is among you people. He will, he will dwell with them. He will live with you permanently. You will be his people's his friends, his neighbors, his cohort. And God himself will be with them, just as he was with Adam and Eve. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. 
and crying and mourning and pain will be no more. For the first things, the first things of creation will have passed away and the succeeding things will be once again perfect as was the initial creation in the garden. That, dear friends, is your source of comfort on this day of all saints. While we mourn the loss of saints who have gone before us, and we should, the ones who have died holding fast to Jesus Christ, we miss so dearly. But in them we see what we need of the evidence that supports the hope that God intends. While the saints' sinful bodies are reduced to dust and ashes, those saints, even now, they enjoy the presence of God constantly. Their grief and suffering is indeed over. They are freed from sin. They look upon the face of God. They see him in all of his glory. They walk with him in paradise, just as St. Adam and St. Eve did so many generations ago. The saints who have gone before are now the bride triumphant. They are without spot. They have not a single blemish. And God has wiped the tears from their eyes, for there is no reason to cry any longer for them. As I think about these things, I correct myself from something I said earlier. The saints who have come before us, they are not an endangered species at all. They are not endangered in any way, not anymore. They reside in God's care. Someday, someday, sisters and brothers, you and I will join them. But for now, we are the endangered ones. The danger which we suffer comes because we may fail to retain the lessons of faith which have been passed on to us by those saints who have gone on to paradise. Fewer and fewer saints now walk with us in our lives. Fewer and fewer are walking with us who are preparing for the coming of the bride, bridegroom. The bride, God's pinnacle of creation, is once again, God's, God's pinnacle of creation is still pursuing a life of unfaithfulness. And with that, death is all around us. But Jesus Christ, the bridegroom of the church, has promised to come and take us into paradise if we turn to God in faith. Faithfulness requires that we prepare ourselves for the coming of the bridegroom and that we invite those who bow at the altar of unfaithfulness and sinfulness to join us in our wedding preparations. That wedding feast long promised is being prepared right now. And the bridegroom may arrive at any moment. And we must work in a hurry to bring all of God's children to the, to the celebration and help them to prepare just as we prepare ourselves. Faithful preparation. Until that time when we come into the presence of the Lord, the one who comes to us in his word and in his sacraments is what the endangered species of the church faithful must do. We must do these things until we join with all the saints and celebrate the wedding feast of the Lamb. It is the faithfulness of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, on the cross that has enabled all of these things to be possible and has cemented the fact that all of these things are true. Celebrate 
brothers and sisters. You are the saints of God. Thanks be to God the creator for the faithfulness of his son. Amen.